0: Welcome back to the Read.Dentistry Pre-Dental Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Lundquist, and I am laying my journey of getting accepted into dental school all out on the table so you can get in as well. Please make sure to follow this podcast for updates on Instagram at read.dentistry underscore podcast. That's read spelled R-E-E-D dot dentistry underscore podcast. Also, a Facebook page now exists for this podcast at read.dentistry underscore pre podcast. Now stay tuned for episode 13, where I give away tips and strategies that help me score high in the perceptual ability section of the DAT. Thank you once again for tuning in. Today we are shifting gears back to the DAT because I've noticed that a lot of you are about to take this test and have concerns about some of the sections on the DAT and how to go about preparing for them. I feel like the biggest area of concern is perceptual ability, and this makes sense because it is so foreign from anything you have ever seen, and this is how it is supposed to be at first, so don't worry. I am here to help bring perspective to this section, and hopefully what I have to say today will help you strategize in a way that will help you nail down this section. I will be be breaking today's episode down into seven segments, representing general advice followed by the six different sections of perceptual ability. And those sections are your keyhole, angle ranking, pattern folding, top front end, hole punching, and cube counting. I wanted to first start out with general advice before we get into the specific sections. And I've mentioned this before, but the best thing you can do when approaching the perceptual ability Uh, sections is to practice 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 this is going to come off very foreign at first and the only way you're going to get better at it is through practice and then i promise you if you practice it is going to become second nature and it's really not a section that as test day approaches that you should be worried about because you should just know how to do it it should be like a skill like riding a bicycle and then don't get stuck or caught up on one question remember on the DAT that that question might not even be graded. So this is, um, and I think they might even tell you this ahead of time, whether you're looking this up in whatever study material you have for the DAT, but they do make mention that there are certain questions that are just for their examining purposes only. That question might not necessarily be graded for or against your credit, they're just trying to determine whether that is a good question. So it's kind of a question in observance. So that's definitely more of an incentive not to get caught up on any one question, just put down your best answer and move forward. And then no question is important than the other. So whatever question comes off as a very basic question or is very easy to you that is gonna be worth just as many points as the one question you might spend five minutes on. So that's just a basic test taking tip in general. And I know that can be hard because we wanna get every question correct. You know, a lot of us are perfectionists and I definitely fall into that category many times, but that doesn't do you any benefit to just get stuck on a question because then since this test is timed, that's just going to negatively impact you for the rest of the exam and then apply what you are learning to everyday situations. So this is something that really helped me, and I'll get into more detail about this later. But I started looking at every object in front of me because every object can be viewed from a three-dimensional perspective, and I would take that object and be like, okay, how would this reflect on this certain section of the of the perceptual ability on the DAT? I found that very helpful because it just started to de- started to help develop that skill of you know that perceptual skill that you need in your brain and so that helped me very much so when it came to actual test day and and the practice situations and then make it fun and that just alludes to what I just talked about you know start seeing things from a different perspective it's it does get it gets a little bit weird at first you're like wow I never would have looked at that object in that way but this is something that's helped me prepare for my exam so i'm first going to begin by talking about the keyhole section and the way that i'm going to approach the rest of this podcast is in order of how it's going in order of how these sections are going to reappear to appear on the dat perceptual ability section so the first is keyhole and what that is is being able to imagine a 3d object going through a keyhole so just like you use a key to unlock your car or door and there's a specific design in order for that to fit in properly that's going to be the same concept for this keyhole section except you're going to be given a randomly generated object so it's going to vary for each of the 15 questions in this section and there's going to be three different perspectives that you would have to imagine this object going through a keyhole and that's going to be top, bottom, or bottom to top, so maybe like a bird's eye view, or if it's bottom to top, it would be a worm's eye view, and then side to side, and then front and back. And so side to side, and I'm going to get into a better example that will help you visualize this later, but just imagine taking an object, looking from its side, and then going back, and then going to the other side. So if you were to take a flashlight, how would that reflect if you're going from side to side, top to bottom, and then front to back. So the very front of the object that's looking at you, the face of it to the back, how is that going to reflect? And I'll talk a little bit more about the flashlight method here in just a bit. So yeah, you want to ask yourself, will that object fit through a keyhole from the given perspective, from the given angle that you are looking at? And you're going to have to visualize this on the test depending on what the answers from ADE they give you you have to be able to look at them big okay this answer I can see that it's clearly approaching this from you know the top to bottom angle or side to side or front to back it's not going to come out and tell you that directly you have to come to that um, consensus by yourself and then this section is deceptively difficult and so I found that it seemed really easy at first and that it looked like I was going going to be getting the um The correct answer for sure. But then when I got it wrong, I'd be kicking myself and it's because it would be the smallest, you know, most minute detail. So you must pay attention to detail and don't skip anything. Because like I said, there are um, answers A through E. So it could be any one of those. And, you know, two of them, and they do this so often where two of them, it's like, I can't even tell the difference. Like this, it looks like they just like had a You know, they miskeyed and whatever answer I'm supposed to select because these two are so similar. But if you look closer and closer into detail, there is going to be a distinct difference. So, yeah, you must pay attention to that. Don't skip anything. And then this is going to be one of the biggest strategies that I think you'll find if you're studying. I mean, and you are going to be studying other material to prepare for this section, but it's the elimination strategy. So, so many times it's easier to find the correct answer by eliminating the first four. And once you see that, you know, once you get used to seeing what perspective the answers are being presented from, this is going to be easier to cross off the, well, you know, what is definitely wrong because you'll be able to see like, okay, clearly that's not going to reflect the way that it actually should be because of this detail here. There's That doesn't appear anywhere on the actual object so you just cross that off and that's definitely it's that's definitely the right approach to find the, the correct answer or else you could be you know spending so much time just you know uh referring back to your um the example object um to the correct answer and then what the flashlight method is is just imagine when you were a kid and you were using a flashlight in a dark room to reflect maybe animals or whatever object you were making with your hand on the wall. Imagine that you were shining that light on one of these three-dimensional objects that are going to be presented on the DAT. And you have to imagine how would that reflect on the wall? What image would I see? And it's obviously going to be a two-dimensional object. So all these answers that you'll see throughout the whole you know, perceptual ability section on the DAT is going to be Two dimensional. So that's the biggest thing is being able to take these three dimensional objects and visualize them 2D. And this is going to require you activating a certain part of the brain that you probably haven't activated too much before, or at least not at, at this scale. So make sure you're, vis- you're visualizing from all three respective angles. And this can be confusing, so I'm going to give the example of examining a rectangular prism. What would you see? And then with a rectangular prism, just imagine some box that you got from Amazon. You know, it's not going to be a perfect cube. So you know, lots of times I don't know. Maybe you you're a golfer and you ordered a golf club. So imagine how that box would come in through Amazon if it was a rectangular prism. And what would you see? Um, so the first angle would be that top to bottom, bottom to top, or what I would call the bird's eye view or the worm's eye view. So the worm is going to see it bottom to top, bird top to bottom, obviously. Um, You're probably just going to see a rectangle. That's the two-dimensional object that's going to be reflected from that three-dimensional object if you were to shine that flashlight from top to bottom or bottom to top. And then side to side, what would you see with that Amazon box, the golf club, the rectangular prism? you would see a skinnier rectangle that might be you know, longer in length. And then front to back, you might see a smaller square if you were to shine that on the front of that Amazon box. So remember that 3D objects are only going to be reflected as straight lines. So things can get tricky when considering spherical objects last thing i'll say in this section is that it can easily suck up your time so don't let it every section is worth the same i believe you only have an hour to complete this section and yeah it i did confirm that it is an hour and there's going to be 90 questions so that's a lot so 15 questions per section so that breaks it down to an average of 10 minutes per section um and you're going to see too, like which sections are going to be easier and which ones are going to be more difficult. So obviously, it's not like you have to spend 10 section, or sorry, 10 minutes per section. But maybe if there's one section that you spend five minutes on, it means that you spend 15 minutes on another section. So there is going to be some compensation, some give and take. And you know, you just definitely have to get to the point where this is second nature, where you're not thinking about it, because you do not want to waste time. The next section is top, front, end. And I personally found this section most difficult, but your experience could be different. And this is going to be a similar approach as the previous section. So, visualizing what angle is being presented, whether it's that top to bottom, side to side, or front to back. But you have to learn the art of what to pay attention to and what to ignore. And so, the reason that this section can be difficult is because you actually have to visualize. so objects that are placed within an object, whether it's a vacant spot or there's, a, you know, like there's a protrusion or whatever, and be able to consider that and visualize that from, you know, what lines would be reflected. And this is going to be a lot harder to explain in a podcast form so i would really encourage you to just go ahead and look at some videos on youtube to see what their approaches are and i know dat Bootcamp does a really good job of going over this because it's really not going to make sense until you see it but i can just give you kind of like some general advice on this section and maybe that will be more applicable whenever you realize more of what you are doing and um my but i do want to mention that my best advice for this section is literally to look at any object around you and visualize how this would reflect um on this section of the test so taking any object and doing the top front end um just i guess i would just call the top front end test on that object and that just helped me out so much because it it just any time of the day, I didn't necessarily need that generator to break out my phone, but I would be engaging that section of my brain. And then I just noticed that whenever I thought about actual objects, and then when I got to those generators or the practice tests or the quizzes, that it, I, I felt like I was more prepared for that. So definitely get those generators out and then do the real life application, as I mentioned. Um, so yeah, this section was definitely the hardest for me. But in the end, it It was the hardest for me at first, but in the end, I actually felt like it was it was pretty doable. And but it is easy to spend a lot of time on this section. So what I would always advise is because and you'll see like there's different tools that you're going to be given on the test where it's like you can mark that certain question that you don't want to answer right away and it'll automatically bring you back to that question at the end. So you're not wasting time like, you know, scrolling through what questions you didn't answer. So that is a super nice tool. So what I would suggest if you get caught up on something, just move forward because some of them will um you know come across easier will come to you more naturally than others. And then moving right along the third section of the PAT, so perceptual ability test is angle ranking. And this section is going to seem very easy at first, or maybe it won't. But again, be careful. This is definitely the section where you have to make up time. And that is a definite thing. Um, You do not want to spend a lot of time on this section because these answers, while it can be a little bit tricky, you should not be caught up because it is pretty straightforward. And you shouldn't be taking more than 10 seconds per question. And sometimes too, I know like one of the best of but I, I wouldn't say one of the best, but one of the approaches that some students find very helpful is as soon as the question flashes on the screen, just be like, oh, like naturally just see which one jumps out to you just from like the naked eye test that this one's definitely the biggest. Lots of times that will help you get the right answer, but these angles are going to be presented from, you know, from rotating views. So that makes it hard. It's not like they're all going to be on the same axis and that'll make more sense once you see it again. But, um, like I said, you shouldn't be taking more than 10 seconds and do not second guess because most likely this is because I know like a lot of teachers shared that um, advice, you know, during my undergrad or in high school or whatever. And I, I don't really know if that's the greatest advice to, you um, know, not second guess because I feel like, yeah, you definitely notice the times when you should have just left your answer correct, but... I think so often we might second-guess and it might be to our benefit. But in this situation, I really don't think that you should second-guess because your brain will start to play tricks on you and start to imagine that angle being the biggest, even though maybe it wasn't. And so I think... Um, what's going to come to you. I, I think the brain is funny in this section in that it is going to recognize at first, like which one's the biggest angle or which one's the smallest angle. But then obviously, the more you think about it, the more you're going to allow, you know, like personal bias to interfere. And then the brain will begin to see it in the way that you want it to be seen. And so to remember that the angle ranking, so you're going to have to take each of the four, I believe in this section, it is only four different Yeah, it is. It's only four different angles that they give you and you have to put them in order of like either like ascending um, to descending of, you know, of how big the angle is or um, or how small the angle is. So, I mean, finding out which angle is the biggest is just as useful as finding out which angle is the smallest and then eliminating always works best. So there's many times, too, I think I'm I think I am going to mention this point upcoming But if you were to take two of the angles, sometimes it's way easier to compare those two angles than one angle to all the other three because you're going to be able to see like, okay, clearly this angle is bigger than the other or smaller than the other. And that's going to reflect, you're going to be able to use that information that you know absolutely in the given multiple choice answers to cross off and eliminate like okay it can't be this one because i know that angle b is definitely bigger than angle c and in this answer it's eluding the fact that c is bigger than b which is incorrect so cross that off and that'll definitely help you but i think a lot of times in this section of all the other sections is the one where you might be able to know with absoluteness that okay this angle is definitely the biggest and it looks like in the multiple choice there's only one um answer there that would reflect that you know c is the biggest because i know c is the biggest but many times it's not going to be that easy because some of them might have you know c is the biggest in every answer so then you know you have to find okay so what is where is the point of reference as far as the difference is concerned and um so there are different techniques too like i said you can just use the technique of you know the flash technique i guess i would call it where right from the bat you see that this angle is the biggest or the smallest but one of the other techniques is the ski slope approach or laptop i think that these are kind of similar but imagine you know skiing or if you're a snowboarder going down each of these angles how steep would it be so if it's and this is going to differ whether it's an obtuse angle so that's what greater than 90 degrees or acute less than 90 degrees so if it was an angle that was if you're comparing obtuse angles if your skier or your snowboarder is going down um, a steeper slope then that is going to be a smaller angle now on the flip side of that if you're comparing acute angles the more gradual the slope the smaller the angle and the more steep the slope the larger the angle and you can imagine and this I guess the the laptop technique is similar but I guess it is kind of different in the way that you go about thinking about it so just imagine each one is a laptop and you compare okay this laptop looks like it would be more open than or you know opened wider, I don't know how to say that, (laughs) Uh, you know, have a greater angle, you know, be more open than the other laptops. And you kind of sometimes you have to like mentally rotate, you know, if it was a laptop, and just because you want to compare it all from the same axis, but you have to do that with your mind, because it's not going to present it to you. in that way. And then um, the other one is to look at the angle of origin i call this the alligator method so which mouth would be the most open the angle of origin of course is going to be where the two lines come together and intersect and form the angle and lots of times too if you narrow down your focus that way you can quickly decipher which angle is bigger or smaller because the other thing that's tricky about this is the way that it's going to be presented is these angles um, you know there's going to be different lengths, and that can be very deceiving when you're trying to compare uh you know an object or i don 't know how to say that, but like an angle that it's using longer you know of the two side lengths and then compare that to one that has you know short side lengths and that'll make more sense too when you see it. I wish um I could show that visually to you right now, but you'll you'll get a good hang for it for sure and then um You'll quickly find out which technique works best for you and just go with that one. You don't want to start mixing a lot of these techniques because then it'll get confusing. But I gave you a lot of different approaches and you can probably find more on YouTube than what I just gave you. But those are some of the more popular techniques, in my opinion. And then honestly, this section might come more naturally for some of you than it will come for others. And that's okay. And my number one tip, though, for this section is it's multiple choice. So use this to your advantage. And then, like I said earlier, comparing those two selected angles at first, that's going to really help you, you know, eliminate answers and then, you know, narrow your focus. And, yeah, it's important because sometimes it's obvious that one angle is bigger or smaller than the other. And other ones, you know, I think that it's required or it's like a minimum is going to be a three degree difference. So that is going to be very hard to determine that, okay, this angle is three degrees larger or smaller than the other. So start with the ones that are more obvious, and then at least, like, if you still don't know, your chances, i guessing, like, let's say it's 50-50, that's way better odds than a 25% odd. So I've talked about the first three sections on the PAT that you're going to be tested on. And before I move into the final three sections, which will be hole punching, cube counting, and pattern folding, I did just wanna take a minute and thank our sponsor of this show, which is Anchor. Moving into our fourth section is hole punching. And I personally found this section the easiest. So if you were to take a piece of paper and fold it into a geometric shape, and then put a hole punch, right through a certain area and then your areas are going to be gridded i think it's going to be like i could be wrong but maybe like 12 different sections but that's kind of beside the point imagine that you're playing um can connect four so it's going to be something like that but a smaller grid than what your standard connect four is so you know you fold up that connect four and um, you put a whole punch through that so obviously imagine that the connect four it's gridded but it's also um uh you know just a piece of computer paper as well that's probably kind of confusing but anyways you get the point you're folding up a piece of paper and you put a hole punch through it and then you unfold it where is that hole going to reflect based on what you unfolded so my best advice for this section is what i call the mirror technique and so this is just using symmetry. So it's like, you know, if you fold a piece of paper um, and you put a hole punch in a certain area and when you unfold it, it's going to directly, you know, that hole punch is going to mirror, um, is going, or sorry, the hole punch is going to appear in the mirror section. So um, if I hole punch something in the top left corner, it's also going to appear in the bottom left corner, depending on, you know, which way that the fold was made. And that'll make more sense once you, once you actually begin to see these things for yourself. But yeah, I think you'll find that this section is pretty easy. Uh, It was pretty simple and straightforward, especially once you start seeing some examples. And then again, use the elimination technique. I found in this section, it was super easy to eliminate um, answers because there would be so many answers that it's like okay that doesn't show much symmetry at all and sometimes though like every now and then it can be tricky because it'll appear that there's not much symmetry but there's going to be certain things that they did where it's like just because it appears that there would be a hole in this section it's actually not going to directly um, reflect but don't worry about that too much you'll see as you go for the most part like symmetry is going to be huge, you know, finding that mirror image or that mirror section where that keyhole would appear. And yeah, so that's pretty much all that I have for um, the hole punching technique. I really enjoyed this section. And this is another one that I believe too, that you should fly through, maybe not quite as fast as the angle ranking, but angle ranking and hole punching, these sections need to be your, your makeup sections for the, you know, for The more time that you're going to need on the other four sections. And actually moving into cube counting, I think this is one that you have to be quick at as well. But the the other three, so the first two that I talked about, keyhole and top front end, and then eventually we're going to conclude with pattern folding. Those are going to consume more of your time. So during these three consecutive sections with the angle ranking, hole punching, and cube counting is going to be your time to really just you know move along so you can um you know save up our second to last section is cube counting and you will see a lot of different advice for this section but i personally found that um they made this section far more complicated than it needed to be and you'll definitely see what i mean but essentially what what this is is you're imagining so there's going to be these cubes that um are going to be connected in a certain pattern and you know cubes are stacked on top of each other and side by side and so just imagine you're taking um a a can of paint and you're dumping it over all those cubes and what it's going to ask is how many sides would be covered so obviously sides that are either touching each other because you know cubes are going to be stacked beside each other or on top or um you know, if you, if you had just, say you only had like one cube, like, you know, one die, and you dump paint on that, five sides are going to be covered. But the side that's touching the floor will not. So you're going to take that into account for the section as well. So you'll never see an option where, you know, all six sides would be covered. So the most you're going to see is five. And, um, but you know, it it could also be zero, because say that, there's a cube that um, is completely surrounded on each of its uh, five sides, not including the side that's touching the bottom, then none of those sides are going to end up getting paint on that. So you have to be able to visualize that, okay, I definitely know that there is a cube in the middle there because um, there has to be, or else the cubes that are you know coming up and forming a tower wouldn't have anything to sit on. So that's going to be huge. And eventually, you're going to get to the point too where you'll just be able to look at whatever cube you were wanting to examine and just know that okay, that's going to be zero, or that's going to be definitely only one side, two, three, four, five. And that's gonna at first, it's going to be hard. You're going to have to maybe like actually count in your head how many sides would be covered. And um, one of the strategies strategies that they give you that I don't really like because again it is such a time crunch this test and i feel like you need to make up time in this section is they're going to want you to write out a table for each one and first it's like you're going to have to determine how many cubes will be in this object and then you'll make your table on the left zero through five and then you'll start to tally and i don't know i just feel like that's a waste of time because i just literally started just doing it in my head like they're like so like an example question be you know how many sides are you know how many cubes in this object are going to have only two sides painted so I would just just go through real quick and I would just know right away and just keep track where I was in my head and and say like okay you know I just examined this whole object there's only going to be three sides Uh, there's only gonna be three cubes where two sides are covered with paint and that's going to be hard to do at first, but the more and more you practice, I think the easier it's going to be. And lots of times, too, what I noticed in, in the practice, um, you know, whether it was like in the practice quiz, uh, tests or the quizzes or the generators, the objects, they used way more cubes than I think ended up being on the actual tests. So just keep that in mind as well. And you do need to keep track of where you are because you don't want to recount the same cube because that's obviously going to throw off your answer. And our final section is pattern folding. I'm actually not going to say a ton about this section. Um, It is because I think it is kind of simple, but this is one of the more difficult um, sections. So I say that it's simple in the way that it's clear what you have to be able to do, but it's difficult because some of the objects that they use are pretty extravagant or there's just a lot of detail in them. So the most simple object would be, okay, the Amazon box came in the mail. What would that look like if you unfolded that whole box? And that's you're gonna have to use those that type those type of skills and apply that towards all these objects they're going to give you. But just to touch on this briefly and you know, just some advice that I would give is to pick a section of the object and follow it. So narrowing down on a section of the object will allow you to focus and zero in on that section. And if the area you picked doesn't help you eliminate, zero in on another area. So you're going to be able to do, and I, you can apply this strategy for a lot of sections on the PAT but where you just pick a certain area and you see how that's trying to be reflected in the given answers. And then obviously if you know that it's clear that it's this area they're talking about and you see that there's like a little difference, then you'll be able to cross that off and eliminate it. And that's all going to make more sense to you as you practice. Now just a quick summary of what we went over is first I gave general advice, you know, how to how to best prepare for this section of the DAT. And the best thing you can do is just practice and Look for ways to be efficient, and a lot of the things that I share are things that work personally for me. And you might be totally different, so that's why practice is essential, just to find out what you you are most comfortable with. Because this is the one section where uniqueness is definitely very uh, prevalent, depending on um, you know who who is taking the this the test. Because while all the other um, areas of the test, it seems like there's maybe. You know one or possibly two different approaches to get that exact answer you know like with a lot of the chemistries you're going to need a certain formula or definitely with the math section you're going to need to know a certain formula with the perceptual ability this is just going to there's so many different ways where you could approach and visualize something and that's what makes it pretty cool as well and then you know we went over the keyhole top front end hole punching cube counting and pattern folding techniques and the best thing you can do Uh, to summarize all those sections up is to eliminate what is definitely incorrect because there's going to be a lot of answers that are going to appear similar so it's going to be hard off the bat to be like okay this is definitely the right answer so elimination technique is the number one technique of everything that i went over that wraps it up for episode 13, DAT Perceptual Ability Tips and Strategy. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Any of you can always feel free to contact me at jordanreed394 at gmail.com. Tell me what you like about the podcast and some improvements you'd like to see so this show can be more beneficial for all of us. Also, if you're enjoying what you are hearing, please do me a favor and subscribe to this podcast by hitting the subscribe button on whichever platform you are listening from so you can receive the latest updates. And please, take a minute of your time to leave this podcast a review. This will help tremendously in keeping this podcast going. Also, please share this podcast with someone else you think could benefit from it. I have now started a Facebook page for this podcast, so you can go on Facebook and join the read.dentistry underscore pre-dental podcast, or follow this podcast on Instagram at read.dentistry_podcast. underscore podcast. Tomorrow, we will start discussing the biology section of the DAT, I look forward to then, and until next time, peace.